are in uh, the second week of a series going through a book in the Bible in the Old Testament, a book uh, called Ecclesiastes. And it's not a very uh, common book in the sense of it's probably not one that you've uh, read a lot, uh, but it's a, it's a great book that really deals with, um, we, we just lost uh, everything up here. Do I need to do something or? Okay. Uh, did you guys watch uh, the Golden Globes last Sunday and Jimmy Fallon got up there and then as soon as he was up there, like a whole, all the teleprompter and everything died and he was just like, uh, hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Um, and it was kind of awkward. So that's uh, a little bit not exactly what I'm feeling because I'm not Jimmy Fallon, but, and I've got notes. But so um, we're going through a book called Ecclesiastes, which is a book that really deals with frustrations and struggles and things like that that we have. Uh, it's not a book that is one of the books that you just go, oh man, when I'm really wanting to feel good about myself, I read Ecclesiastes. When I'm really wanting inspiration and encouragement, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes. It's a book that really, I love it because it's just honest, and it gets at a lot of the, the harshness of life and the frustration of life, and so it's a great book for those of us that maybe have dealt with a lot of stuff that's hard, or see life in a way that isn't just peaches and cream, but that see it in, um, in a way that has kind of the harsh realities that are in it. And so that, that's what we're looking at, and tonight we're talking about um, something that we all kind of uh, wonder about and, and think about, which is what, what is it that will make us happy? If you think about just for your own life, and you're to answer the question, what will make me happy? What, what do you put in there? And, and that's not something that I don't think we often ask out loud. Like we don't usually say, hmm, what will make me happy today? But we do feel it. We do feel, man, what will make me happy? What, what is it in my life that would bring me some sense of happiness? And, and we're told all the time to, to seek out our happiness and to search for our happiness. If you're dating somebody and the advice usually is, hey, find someone that will make you happy. Or if you're looking for a job, they Often the question is asked, does it make you happy? Will it bring you uh, fulfillment? You want to have work that's fulfilling and it brings you happiness. And so it's something that we're kind of feeling a lot, even if we don't outright ask the question. It's something that we're told to, to look for and, and to find. And it changes throughout our life. Like when you're a kid, it might be these kinds of things, maybe playing outside or video games or certain friends that make you happy, and then you get a little bit older, and maybe it's really learning and education that you get excited about, and then you get a little bit older, and maybe it's family or finding someone to settle down with, or maybe your work, or then maybe retirement. I mean, it changes, but an underlying question, even if not outright asked, that we feel is, what, what is it that will make me happy? What, what will make me happy? What, what is it for you that when you kind of fill in that blank, what is it for you that you think, this is what will make life happy. This is what will bring fulfillment. This is what will bring satisfaction. And why is it, here's a question to think about, why is it that it's so hard to grasp? Like, why is that even a question, what will make me happy? Why isn't it that we're all just filled with satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness? Why isn't it that it's just there? Why is it so hard to actually grasp and go, I've got it? Like, what if there was something that you could get, something, some experience or something or some per? What if you could actually have something and you would actually be able to say, huh, okay, I've got it. 
I mean, doesn't that seem almost impossible? I mean, happiness is something we all want. It's something we pursue, and yet also feels very elusive. It also feels very hard to actually grab. And so if we think about happiness, where is it that we look for happiness? Where do we look? There's a lot of different places that we look, and, and there's a lot of guides out there to help us. So, I mean, that's what advertising is, basically, is guides, whether true or false, that, that say, hey, let us help you find happiness. I remember when my wife and I moved to Denver, there's a magazine, some of you uh, probably know, called 5280, which is um, a magazine, and someone bought a Groupon uh, for us that was like, uh, I think, a year subscription or something for, I don't, know what, I don't know what the price was, they paid for it, but a uh, year subscription. So when we first moved to Denver, it's a great magazine that kind of helps you explore as a guide all that Denver has to offer. Here's the hikes, and here's the restaurants, and here's kind of all that Denver has to offer if you really want to experience happiness and joy and fulfillment in Denver. And so when we think about where do we look for happiness, here, here's something to keep in mind. There's all sorts of guides out there that say, hey, we'll all help you find happiness. I'll help you experience happiness. I'll help you get it because it's hard to find. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to hang on to. And so we need and we often search out guides. And as we look at this next chapter in Ecclesiastes, what's going to happen is the author, uh, Solomon, or someone writing as uh, Solomon, as we talked about briefly last week, the author says he's going to set out to test out where happiness can be found. He's going to set out to test where can happiness be found in life? Last week we talked about meaning, but, but this week he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to do all sorts of research and tests and investigate where can happiness be found. And here's the thing. He had unlimited resources. He had unlimited resources. He was king. He was wealthy. He was wise. He was powerful. And he had everything at his disposal. Sometimes we go, man, I would love to search out where can happiness be found, but I only have this much money and it's hard. I can test out this restaurant and see if that will bring me happiness. And that's about it. But Solomon was able to say, I can test out everything. And what he's going to do is he wants to serve as a guide. This is part of why he writes Ecclesiastes. He he wants to serve as a guide for us to say, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to test out happiness everywhere that it can be found under the sun. I'm going to test it out and see where it can be found and if it can be found. And so Solomon acts as our guide, and and he's going to pursue three primary ways that we often pursue as well to find happiness. And so we'll we'll start with this. Here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He says, I said in my heart, so he talks to himself, and he says, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. And then he's going to go through a list of all the different things he tried. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. 
I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, that's prostitutes, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So where do we look for happiness? Solomon begins with saying one of the ways that he's going to search it out is pleasure. One of the ways he's going to search it out of what will make me happy is if I can just kind of do whatever I want, maybe that'll bring me happiness. And maybe this is how some of you have felt or have in the past felt of if I could just have whatever it is that I want, there would be some sort of happiness that I would experience. If I could have whatever I want. And so Solomon goes through a list of things that many of us love and try and, and have used to create happiness in our life. And there's all sorts of guides out there that say exactly what Solomon does of, hey, try this, try this, try this. All the different things. I mean, really nothing has changed. The stuff that Solomon pursues is the same stuff that that we pursue today. And so let me just kind of walk back through the different things that Solomon covers. And I, and I thought I would use some magazine covers to illustrate these things because magazines often act as guides to say, hey, you can find happiness if you find this. And so the first thing that Solomon talks about is laughter. And this is an issue of GQ that says the hundred best jokes in the world. And it's got the kings of comedy listed on here, all these different comedians. And, and here's what happens. Isn't it interesting that we pay people to make us laugh? You ever thought about that? Like we actually pay people, and maybe I've actually never gone and seen a stand-up uh, comedian. I've watched them on TV, but we pay people to make us laugh. Or we, we feel, you know what, I, I'd like something funny today. And maybe you just go on some website with funny videos. You go on uh, the, you know, compilation of funniest vines or whatever. Back in college, I remember, especially guys, it seems like guys have nothing else to do. It's like, hey, come look at this E-bombs world video or whatever, you know. Some of you are like, huh, but, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than, you know, I'm not that old. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm old enough to know E-bombs world, okay, so somewhere between that and, anyways. But laughter is something. We go, you know what, I, I need to cheer my soul. I need some happiness. And laughter is big business. And comedy is big business. And so Solomon says, you know what? You know what I did? I wanted to laugh. And, and he didn't have to go on YouTube. And he, he, he just had a bunch of comedians. He just bought them. He's like, yeah, I'd like to laugh today. I think I'll hire Jimmy Fallon and Kevin Hart and whoever else. And just tell me jokes. Let's do this for a couple of years and see if that brings me happiness. What if you could have all of the funniest comedians just make you laugh? Would that make you happy? Solomon says he tried that. Then he says he tried alcohol. This is uh, 5280, uh, and I'll, most of these I'll use 5280 because I think it's good just for us to think about Denver. And he says, you know what? I just wanted to drink. 
Some of you, you've tried this as your source of happiness, whether it's because you're stressed and so you use alcohol or just with friends or, man, I just want to, I mean, Solomon, think about this, unlimited money to say, what are the best breweries in, you know, whatever, 1000 BC? What are the best breweries? What's the best wine? What's the best cocktails? What's the best bars? I'm going to do all of it. Solomon says, I tried alcohol. See if that would work. Or next, he says he built stuff. For some of you, maybe this is your sense of happiness. That if I can improve my home, if I can work on various projects and build stuff with my hands, I've never understood that myself, um, but some people love to go, yeah, you know what, I want to sweat and, and probably hit my hand with a hammer today. That'll give me happiness. And I don't get that, but some of you do. And so there's guides that say, hey, create your dream home or home improvement. And, and Solomon says, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to go to Home Depot and I'm going to put on my orange apron and I'm going to go to town. I'm just going to go for it. And so that's what he tried. And then he says this. He says that he built parks and vineyards and, and planted trees. And for some of us, happiness is nature. Solomon says, you know what, there's a lot of great state parks and national parks, but I don't want to go to them. I'm going to build them instead. I'm going to buy them. For some of us, isn't this our source of happiness that we say, I'd like to go on amazing weekend getaways or 50 front range adventures and try it out nature. Maybe that will be where happiness is found. And so Solomon gets his yoga pants on and his North Face on and he, he goes out and he explores. That's how I envision it happening. I don't know his gold yoga pants, and he goes out, and he travels, and he builds. It says he builds all of this amazing scenery and nature to explore happiness. Or maybe it's servants. This is 5280, all the different places you can relax and just be pampered. And Solomon says he had servants, and then his servants had kids that became his servants. And again, just so you know, I mean, the Bible's not condoning this. It's just Solomon's just saying, here's what I did. Here's what I did. I I had people to serve my every whim. Imagine that. You know, it's very popular right now um, during Christmas time and and before that even. But you've got Alex, is it Alexi, the Amazon girl? Um, Alexis. So you've got that and you've got Google Home and uh, you've got Siri. But imagine those things actually worked. You know, those personal, I'm always saying stuff to Siri and then I get mad at her. I'm like, you're stupid. And then she says, that's not very nice, Caleb. (laughs) Or she says like, she does literally, you know, if you've ever gotten mad at Siri, that's what she'll say. Or she says, I'm doing my best. (laughs) And then I feel bad. And then, you know, I'm confessing to this computer. I'm sorry, Siri, will you forgive me? And then she says, I'll Google that. I'm like, no, that's not the... But imagine that you had servants that did whatever you wanted, not electronic, but real servants, that literally whatever you wanted, whether that's a massage or spa or to get you stuff or to make you coffee or breakfast or just to serve you. Solomon says, I had tons of servants and then they had kids, so I had even more servants. And obviously, some of us pursue happiness, not by getting servants, but by being served in various avenues and ways. And and then Solomon says that he tries food. He says, he talks about livestock. He says he had more livestock than anybody else. And he's not just saying he's a farmer. He's saying he had these epic feasts. If you look at the book in the Bible called Kings that talks about kind of Solomon's reign as king, it talks about that 
his, I can't remember exactly what it was, I didn't write it down, but his daily allotment for these feasts, it was food enough to feed thousands and thousands of people every day. So Solomon would throw these big, giant parties and slaughter tons and tons of cows and sheep and goats and just create these huge feasts. And so when Solomon is saying, I had more livestock than anybody and I had more herds than anybody, he's not just saying that he's a cowboy. He's saying, I I tried food, the best cuts of meat that you could imagine. I had them all. The The best everything, I had it. And this is a place that many of us uh, look for happiness. I know that I love to eat. And there's a lot of good restaurants in Denver. A lot of good food in Denver. And Solomon says, yeah, I went to all of them. I had all the chefs come in. I didn't even go, actually. I brought, brought the chefs into me and said, make me your best every day. Make me your best breakfast. Make me your bre- best lunch and your best dinner and your best dessert. Make it all for me every day. And Solomon said, I went hard after that. For a long time. And then Solomon talks about money. And he says that he had more money than anybody. More possessions, more wealth. And that's obviously one of the places that we often look. This is Forbes, just the richest people in America. And some of us may read something like that or see something like that and go, yes, if I could be even number 401, I would be happy. If I could win the lottery, I have a friend that often talks about, if I could just win the lottery, then I'd be happy. And then Solomon tries something else that uh, I love and enjoy, uh, music. Couldn't find a 5280 cover that was featuring music, which is interesting. So this is a different uh, magazine, Denver. But we've got some of the best music Red Rocks, Red Rocks Amphitheater. Do you know, some of you have been there, great shows there, saw Tim McGraw there. And um, Red Rocks actually won uh, several years in a row. They won the Best Amphitheater Award. I think like 14 years in a row, they won Best Amphitheater, Outdoor Amphitheater. And so they actually got disqualified from the competition and they just renamed the award the Red Rocks Award. That's how good this place is. And Solomon says, yeah, I tried that. I mean, it costs a lot of money to go to concerts, right? And we pay it because there's some sort of joy and some sort of happiness there. And Solomon says, you know what I did? He says, he says I brought in male singers and female singers. So you don't even have to pick. Am I going to listen to Bieber or am I going to listen to Adele, Backstreet or Britney? You know, you don't even, I'm, my mind is still 90s, but you know, like you don't even have to pick. He just says, I brought them in. I brought in live music. I love going to Austin because every single restaurant, depending on the street you go to, is just live music, live music, live music, no cover. You just go in, listen to music, listen to that song, go to this one. Solomon says, yeah, I love that stuff. And he says, I just, I listen to music, the best in the kingdom. Or another one that we often try is sex. This one is a very old issue. Well, it's 2002, which I guess is kind of old, but... You can tell just by the cover. But this, this says Denver's hottest singles or Denver's top singles, which I don't even know if I would want to be in that magazine. You know, like, are you really going to even tell people that? Like, hey, I'm on page 32. I'm number 24 of Denver's hottest singles. That seems like not necessarily something you would advertise, but they did. And Solomon says he tried that. Solomon, Solomon was known to have uh, 300 concubines, prostitutes, and 700 wives. That's a lot of women. Solomon says, anything I wanted to do, any sexual fantasy I had, I could do it. Any time, 
I could do it. You think of, some, of, some of you think happiness is in romance. It's in sex. Solomon said, everybody gets a rose. I don't, we don't have to pick. Every season of The Bachelor, everybody gets a rose, right? Some of you are like, yes, I knew. It was a Bible verse for this. Yes, but not a good one. Not one that endorses. And Solomon said, I tried that. I tried going after women and romance and sex and anything that he ever wanted, he could have. And then, I, I love he, he ends because maybe some of you are like, okay, maybe that's the places he looked, but he didn't mention uh, sports or he didn't mention puppies or he didn't mention CrossFit, and, but Solomon ends it with saying, and then, etc. I did whatever I wanted to do. I did just anything that I ever thought of, he says, I did. And so, you know, these are just the bucket lists and the best stuff. And Solomon says, whatever there was, I did it. Just anything. I did whatever it was. Anything I wanted to do, I did it. So Solomon says, you know what I tried in looking for happiness? Just to do whatever I want to do. Then maybe I'd be happy. Go through this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. Whatever I could think of. Many of the things he tried are the things that we try. But then Solomon says he moves on to something different. So the next part, he says that he pursues wisdom. And so here's what he says here. He says, so I turn to consider wisdom. So he ends his section on pleasure, says that didn't work. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. So he starts to pursue wisdom and and thinking about madness and folly and all those the way that stuff kind of combines and he says for what can the man do who comes after the king only what has already been done then i saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly oh it's better to be wise than stupid as there is more gain in light than in darkness the wise person has his eyes and his head but the fool walks in darkness and yet i perceived that the same event happens to all of them then i said in my heart what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity, for of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance. We talked about that last week. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind and so maybe one of the ways that we look for happiness maybe it's not pleasure sometimes this is kind of an age thing not always i think we all look for pleasure even into um, our our old our olden years but but oftentimes what happens is a, a maturing process instead of looking after alcohol and sex and money and laughter it's maybe it's wisdom maybe that's where life will be fulfilling maybe that's where there will be happiness that if i can figure life out if I can figure out how life is kind of supposed to work, if I can figure out the right secrets or unlock the, the right tips of living, then there will be some sort of fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness. Maybe that's where it'll come from. I know that for me, I, I love wisdom. I love learning. I love uh, increasing in knowledge and thinking, man, if I, could figure th- if I could figure out this area of life and this thing and this thing, then... Maybe there'll be some happiness and fulfillment. And Solomon says it's, it's better to be wise than to be a fool. So he looked, at, he looked at wisdom. And then he looks at work. And he says this about work. 
And some of you can make this your life verse. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun. And he gives some reasons, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So Solomon looks at pleasure. He looks at wisdom. Then he looks at work. And and we can think this. If I have the right job, I'll be happy. Aren't there so many work issues that we experience? Whether it's co-workers or bosses or just the actual work we don't like the work or the work is too hard or the work seems humdrum and meaningless or i mean the work itself there's so many issues with work and maybe if we just had the right job there'd be happiness solomon says he tried that tried to get the right work nailed down So the question that we often ask, or that we should ask, that we have to ask, is what is it that will make me happy? Solomon goes through pleasure and wisdom and work, but but does the search work the way we want it to? We search after these things, just as Solomon searched after these things. We, We want happiness. Other people guide us saying, hey, try this out. Try these things. Try the top 25 restaurants. Try the top 25 singles. Try the top 25 uh, bars. Try the top 25 this. Try the 100 comedians. Try the this. Try this. There's all these guides. We want happiness, but does the search work the way we want it to? Whether it's pleasure or wisdom or our jobs, does the search work? And here's what happens. Solomon looks at all those things, and what does he say? He says, no says it doesn't work. So is he just grouchy? Just, a, just Solomon on a bad day just says nothing brings happiness? Is he just disgruntled, cynical? If we could have what Solomon pursued, if we could have the right job or figure life out and have wisdom or pursue all the different pleasures he did would we be happy think about this even just 5280 magazine for those of you that have seen it in the stores or maybe you've just seen it on the screen right now but if you really could open it up and go top 25 best restaurants okay sweet i'll do those okay top 25 getaways okay sweet i'll do that okay top 25 adventures in colorado okay sweet i'll do that and just live your life doing all the different things and you got the right job and you were able to actually put wisdom into practice and figure out how life is supposed to kind of run, all the life hacks, and make it work, would you be happy? Would that bring happiness? And Solomon says, no, it won't. He says it's an illusion. He says it's striving after the wind. He says it it doesn't work. And if we think about our lives, we don't have as many resources as Solomon does, but we've tested. We've tested it too. 
We've tested life. We've tested things to bring us happiness. We've tested all sorts of stuff. And here's what happens. We know, even from our own lives up to this point, even the search that I've gone on, wisdom, work, and all the different enjoyment, it doesn't work. It might please us in a moment, and Solomon says it pleased him. It might please in a moment, but it doesn't last. You might experience some pleasure in a moment, but it doesn't stay. It doesn't sustain. It's, as he says, like chasing after the wind. It's an illusion. It's smoke. That's the vanity. It's, it's this mist. It's like you can see it there and you sort of grab the smoke, but then it's gone. You grab the mist, but there's nothing left. If you think about it, we've tried that. Some people that pursue their pleasure, Solomon says he pursued it in sex, and many people say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And then they find out, man, it leaves me empty. Especially, and this is not just a, a guy thing, but so many guys go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at porn tonight. And they look, and there's a moment of pleasure, and then nobody afterwards goes, that was awesome. There's guilt, there's shame, and there's people that go after alcohol like Solomon does. Say, you know what? It's interesting sometimes to look at people's Facebook feed, and and one picture is, it's going to be awesome tonight, yeah, getting wasted. And then the next day, it's, oh my gosh, I feel like crap. Like, well, yes, that will keep happening. That there's a moment of pleasure, a moment of satisfaction, and then... It's gone. Even food. You know, I love food. I love to eat good food. I love it. But I always find this interesting. And maybe this is just me. I don't, I don't think so. But after like the third bite, it's okay. You know, you, you long for that perfect steak or, or tofu or, you know, whatever you eat. And you cut into it and you go, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Second bite, oh, yes. Third bite, well, that's pretty good. Okay, fourth bite, okay, mm-hmm, okay. And then it's just kind of done. Like it, it's there for a minute, and then it's gone. And stuff that we go after. You remember when you got your new iPhone? And if you haven't, I'm, you know, it's okay. Because you, you hold it in your hand, and it's so silky smooth and soft. And then you go, what happens after two weeks? two days. It's just kind of like, okay, it's a phone. It's there for a minute, and then it's gone. All the different pleasures, all the different things that we enjoy, they're there for a minute, and then they're gone. And, and the same thing is true with wisdom. Wisdom doesn't work the way we want it to work, Solomon says. He says, look, you can pursue being so wise, but you know what ends up happening? Sometimes people that are fools get ahead. Isn't that true? Don't you know some people that are fools that get ahead? You're like, how? That guy is so stupid. How is he the boss? That guy is so dumb. How are they making that much money? And Solomon says, wisdom is better than folly. He says, look, don't be stupid. But when I look at the world, why is it that I'm trying to pursue all this wisdom? Because even people that are dumb seem to make it. And then he says, and... 
no matter how wise I am or no matter how foolish I am, we both die. I can figure out all the best ways to eat and all the best ways to exercise and all the right sleeping tips and all the right, but at the end of the day, the wise man and the foolish man still die. Solomon says it doesn't ultimately bring happiness. And work, same thing. How many of you have had a job that you were like, man, if I just get this job instead? You might have even relocated to a different city. You might have even transferred to a different department. You might have even, and if I get this, and then what happens? You have it. You get it for a minute. And then time goes on, and there's the boss isn't quite what you thought, or the coworkers aren't quite what you thought, or the work's not quite what they said it was going to be. And so maybe then you transfer again, and it works for a minute, and it's not quite what you thought. Solomon says, look, work doesn't ultimately bring happiness. It doesn't ultimately satisfy. And Solomon says there's other reasons work doesn't satisfy as well that, I mean, there's, other people can mess it up. You can be working on something really hard and then other people come in and mess it up. Or you can be working on stuff really hard and, and it doesn't bring you happiness because even if the work is good work, a lot of times Solomon says, what happens is this, you're stressed out at night. How many of you have trouble sleeping? Even if you like your job, but your mind, you're always, you can't, you dream about work. Like, okay, I clocked out of work, but then what happens? You're still working in your mind. Then you sleep and you worked for eight hours during the nighttime when you're supposed to be resting. Like, man, I had work dreams all night. Solomon says work doesn't do it. Even if you get the right job, as many of you have tried to do, it doesn't work doesn't ultimately bring happiness, that no matter what it is, Solomon says it's vanity, it's mist, it's smoke, it's an illusion. It looks like it's there, it looks like you can grab onto it, but once you do, it's not there anymore. It pleases for a moment, and then it's gone. C.S. Lewis, who was an author and a professor at Oxford, he said it like this, I love, um, love this quote that he says, and, and he says, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. And he goes on, I'll just keep reading it here, but he says, the longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, our longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. There was something we grasped at in that first moment of longing which just fades away in the reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may be a very interesting job, but something has evaded us. Solomon says the same thing, that it might be good for a moment, it might, it might be interesting for a moment, there might be pleasure and joy for a moment, but it doesn't ultimately last, it doesn't ultimately fulfill, and, and here's the result, it traps us. It traps us because just like Solomon, you know, he says, I tried this, and then I tried this, and then I tried this, and that didn't work, so I tried wisdom, and wisdom didn't work, so I tried work, and that didn't work, and that's what ends up happening. It traps us in this cycle because we say, if this doesn't work, 
I just need something different, and then that will work. The problem wasn't vacation. The problem was I took the wrong vacation. The problem wasn't this uh, person I was dating. It's that they were the wrong person. I've got to find the right person. And many people cycle through men and cycle through women and cycle through vacations and cycle through jobs and cycle through hobbies just saying it's not the right one yet. And it traps us. We stay in this cycle going, I will find happiness. It'll be in something, whether it's alcohol or laughter or building or nature or servants or food or wisdom or work. It'll be something and it's just the next time. I just had the wrong one. And, and then what often happens is this, as we get trapped in that cycle, we live for the weekend when we can do those things. And life in between is kind of just drudgery sometimes. How many of you hate Mondays? Should that be normal? Should it be normal that we live for the weekend? And yet even when we get to the weekend, it doesn't last, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't fill we don't go, yes, that weekend is now going to get me through the rest of my life. We have to keep having it. And even the weekend then gets old, and so we have to have a new kind of weekend and a new thing with new people and new places. It traps us in a cycle, and that's what Solomon experienced. He says, I tried this, and I tried this, and that didn't work, so I tried this, and I tried this. And we live from high to high, and nothing really lasts. And what that does to us is it creates anxiety of feeling like maybe I'll never get fulfillment. It creates indecision because we are always looking for that next thing that will give us something. But what if I pick the wrong thing? So many of us are crippled with indecision, especially sometimes those of you that are dating. It's like, I don't want to pick this person because maybe then this person, what if I miss out and I've got to have this thing? And there's always something better. It creates stress where we just feel life as a weight instead of joy creates all sorts of problems when we just get trapped in that cycle and it isn't just solomon that says this it's not just our lives that have tested this we have in our world modern day solomons that have achieved everything that have experienced pretty much everything the world has to offer and and they usually say the same thing tom brady who some of you hate that i have him on here but tom brady if you're a true Broncos fan. But he, uh, this was several years ago, he had an interview in 60 Minutes. And he had just won the Super Bowl. He's married to a supermodel. And in his interview, he says this. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life is, he says, Me? I think, God, there's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't it. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. And the interviewer says, what's the answer? And he said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Even the people that have achieved greatest success and, and had the women and had the, the accolades and had the deals and had the money, even our modern-day Solomons say the same thing. And I love how Jim Carrey says something similar. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's very similar to what Solomon says. I wish everybody could have everything they ever wanted, everything they ever dreamed of, have all the happiness pursuits, do everything every magazine says to do so you could see it doesn't work. This is what Solomon is leading us to experience. 
What happens when you follow your heart, as we've been told to do over and over again? What happens when you follow your heart and you're still not fulfilled? What happens when you get whatever it was that you wanted and you still don't find happiness? This leaves us unfulfilled. It leaves us up and down and up and down. It leaves us often discouraged because we look at other people's lives, especially through social media, and go, oh, if I had that, I'd be happy because they look really happy. Solomon says, it doesn't work. If we don't find another way, we'll stay in the cycle. So what will make me happy? What will bring you happiness? What will make us happy? And to finally answer that question, we have to just answer this. Why doesn't the search work? Solomon said there's all sorts of ways we search for happiness. And if we're honest in our own lives, or we look at Solomon's teaching, or we look at our uh, modern-day Solomon's, the search doesn't work. But why doesn't it? Maybe if we understand that, we can find where we can find happiness. Why doesn't the search work? And I want to come back again to C.S. Lewis and this quote that he says. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And he goes on to say, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. See, what he says is this, if I experience something that there's this longing for satisfaction that nothing in the world can bring, maybe it means I was made for another world. Uh, he, he talks about, look, ducks want water. That means that water exists. Babies want milk. That means that milk exists. Men and women want sex. That means that sex exists. And if we want this ultimate fulfillment of happiness, it means it exists. But if we can't find it here, maybe it means we're made for another world. And then he says something very similar to what Solomon says in the last part of the chapter. He says, earthly pleasures were never meant to give it to us. They were just meant to arouse it, to make us long for the greater thing. Which means we shouldn't abandon earthly pleasures. We should be able to enjoy them with thankfulness. But we should also not confuse them with the thing Itself. And here's how Solomon concludes his chapter. He says, there's nothing better for a person. After saying everything is vanity and everything doesn't work, he says, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after wind. Solomon says pretty much exactly what C.S. Lewis says. That it doesn't mean we don't enjoy things. Solomon says, look, there's nothing better to enjoy what God has given to us. But if we confuse it 
with the actual thing itself, the very source of happiness and joy, then we'll miss out. We'll think that that's where everything is found instead of seeing that it's a pointer to something better. And see, here's what we see when we continue to read the Bible and get to Jesus, that that God has designed this world. God has designed this world to allow us to feel the pain and the emptiness, even to say, as Solomon did, I hated life. He's designed it to never fully satisfy us so that it would lead us to the ultimate thing, which is himself. When, When Jesus came, here's something Jesus said. He said, the queen of the south, this is Jesus, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Talking about himself. And he he talks about this queen that sought out Solomon because of how great Solomon was. And Jesus says, you know what? Something greater than Solomon is here now before you. And here's what Jesus is saying. If we looked at Solomon, we would have thought he was great. He had everything that any of us have ever wanted. If we looked at his life, we would have thought, there is greatness. There is the picture of happiness. But Solomon says he didn't actually find it. He didn't actually find the joy. He didn't actually find the happiness. And Jesus comes along and says, there's something greater than Solomon. Jesus had everything that Solomon looked for. Jesus had everything that Solomon was on this endless search for. Jesus had ultimate joy. Jesus had work that was meaningful. Jesus had all the wisdom. He is the designer of it and the very source of it himself. And Jesus says something greater than Solomon is here. And Jesus' greatness isn't just seen in the same way that Solomon's is, though. See, Solomon's greatness was this. I'm going to search after things and collect things and make myself happy. And he still never found it. You know what? Jesus had it all. But what did he do? His greatness was not found in searching after, but saying, I will give it all up. He left heaven and came to earth. He, the Bible says all, this stuff all over the place, that he was thought to be a fool, that he, was, that he was willing to set aside joy in the moment on the cross, to be crucified for our sin. He was willing to leave all the joys and all the earthly pleasures. Why? For us. To save us. To reconcile us to God. To bring us into His family. So that on the cross, in our place, we could be forgiven of our sin. The things in our hearts that keep pursuing after other things. Jesus would forgive us and cleanse us of that and say, one greater than Solomon is here. And yet one greater than Solomon comes near to us and says, you can have me. And when we find in him something greater than Solomon, we find the joy and the happiness that we're looking for because he's the source of it. He's the one that can actually lead us in our life to experience and find life with him. So here's what this means as we come to take communion. When we take communion, what we remember is Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken to forgive us of our sin, even the endless search that we have. And to make us right with God, to bring us into his family, to bring us to himself as the one that's greater. That's what we remember. We celebrate that. If you're a Christian, my encouragement to you would be this, to say, to confess to God, 
the ways that you've been like Solomon, looking for happiness and all these other things, the ways that you haven't trusted Jesus as a greater source of wisdom and joy and work, to confess that to him and say, help me to find the joy and the happiness in life with you. For those of you that are not Christians, my encouragement to you would be just to take Solomon's words seriously, to think about them, to consider them, to think about our modern day Solomons. Imagine being free from the cycle of searching. Imagine that. You could actually say, I've got joy, I've got fulfillment. I have it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you give to us Jesus, that you, you long for us to experience joy, that you're the only one that if we pursue, you, you don't run out. Everything else that we pursue, God, it runs out. We have a little bit of it and then it runs out. You're the only one that the more that we have of you, the more we get to know you, the more that we let you in to lead and govern our life, the more that we do that, the more joy we actually experience, the more happiness and fulfillment that we actually experience. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would, uh, this morning, that you would help us, help us to trust you, help us to believe that you are good, that you are the ultimate one that is greater than Solomon, that can teach us life, and in whom we can find the joy and the fulfillment that we are looking for. Help us, God, to believe that. And even as we sing and take communion, open the eyes of our hearts to see you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.